0: Um, Welcome back for everyone that's here, everyone that's online, everyone that's watching later or now. Um, I can't believe we're wrapping up Romans in just a few short weeks. I just can't believe it. Um, It's been a sweet ride. (laughs) I'll never look at the book the same, I don't think. Um, uh, Before we start, I'm just going to pray one more time. I just thank you, Lord, for your word, um, how faithful you are to meet us. And I just ask God that you would just speak through me right now, Lord. Um, Just prepare our hearts, God. I pray that your grace would just be present and that whatever the ladies have come here with, Lord, whether it's just it was hard to get here or if it was just irritability or joy, (laughs) wherever we're at, Lord, I just pray that you would meet us during this time, God, and that you would speak through me exactly what you want to say to all of us, Lord, and I I just thank you for your word, and I just pray you would use it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to just get started with taking a a brief look back on last week, just for context sake. Um mainly because last week was the last bit of Paul's discourse um, to the Romans. Paul was finishing his encouragement to us to be unified. He was working off what he had been saying since the end of chapter 13, and he, kept, and he was working on that, um, you know, about being unified from the end of chapter 13 all the way to chapter 15 where we're at. Um, I love how he ended his exhortation on the note of unity with one another. Um, something Janet had said last week really struck a chord with me. Um, she mentioned that the world right now is big on being separate. You know, like I'm a part of this group, and or I think this way, or I, you know, there's just a lot of separation in our world today, and um, and it's so prevalent in our culture. Um, there's a focus on how we're different, and um, and I feel like. In a lot of ways, it's just a divisive spirit, you know. Um, if we, as a church, look no different, you know, in that way, if we're super focused on, like, how we think differently about things, like, well, I'm pre-trib and they're post-trib or mid-trib, or I only listen to Christian music, but they listen to secular music, or I think tattoos are bad, but I don't think tattoos are bad, you know. I <laughs> mean, just there's so many different things we can disagree on, um, wearing a mask, you know, or not wearing a mask. I feel like whatever we do that causes us to separate ourselves into different groups is, even if it's just in our mind, you know, even if it doesn't even leave our mind, you know, but if it's anything that's based off non essential, like non salvation issues. It's, we're not looking any different than the world, you know? And that's just something that stuck out to me when Janet was talking last week. It's important for us to not be focused so much on our differences um, because it can bring division, even in our heart <laughs> with others. Um, and we shouldn't be defining ourselves by our differences, you know? We should stand out as a church because of our unity. We're unified because of the gospel. I mean... I I think about so many times when I'll talk with friends and our lives will be changing and going in different directions, and we'll be like, are we still friends? (laughs) Like, are we still going to be friends? Are we still going to be okay? And and I always think, yes, because what brought us together was Jesus anyway. Like, that part's never going to change. It doesn't matter how our lives can change. We can still be unified. Um, I was talking with my husband last night about this, and he mentioned something you know, that he just, we were just talking about how, like, a lot of times the root problem is people don't know how to deal with disagreements with one another, so they'd rather just be divided, you know? I think we don't know what to do when we disagree with someone because we don't know how to move forward after that. Like, well, if I, you know, if we disagree about this, then, you know, I'll leave or whatever. Like, they <laughs> will find it, they'll, they'll take the easier way sometimes than just, like, how to move forward in a relationship even though you disagree. I think... Um, you know, it's easy to become judgy instead of lovey, you know. <laughs> you know, and it just doesn't look much different than the world. So I, I think um, we need to get to the point where we can know how to disagree <laughs> but move on in our relationships with people and not let it hinder our unity. Um, this is the, Paul, the point that Paul's been making the last few chapters, <laughs> that we need to not be divided in this way so that the world can see something starkly different than a lot of division. Instead, unity and love within the church should be, you know, what stands out. Um, Last week, the root issue of disunity that was brought to light was, and this was so convicting to me, (laughs) was um, that we make it about ourselves, you know, and pleasing ourselves, and it's and it can become about our convictions, my convictions, what I think. <laughs> Instead of being patient and gracious with those that God puts in our life, right? Within the body. People that need encouragement and not rejection. And sticking with them with a good attitude that's not self-focused. That is so convicting. <laughs> uh, but it's so important in the day that we live. Really, like, right now for sure. Um, And I think, you know, just like Janet said last week, unity is just not an option. It just, we have to be unified, you know. Um, So the last verse she shared last week was my favorite, and I, like, argued with her about who's going to teach it. She's like... (laughs) Can I, why can't, you know, if you don't want to teach it, it's okay, like I could teach it because I love it so much, <laughs> but it was such a good verse, it's verse 13, it says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, has anybody else love this verse, like memorize this verse, <laughs> like I've loved it for years, I was just thinking about, like, why do I love this verse so much? I just keep coming back to it, and I think it's because um, I've just come to learn how powerful it is when we speak encouragement and blessing to others, and that's just what Paul's doing right here. He's speaking encouragement to them, just like Proverbs sixteen fourteen says, or sixteen twenty four says, "Pleasant words are like are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones." We can be like Paul and speak encouraging, life-giving words through the Holy Spirit to others. And even um, praying this verse for someone when you don't know how to pray for someone that's struggling. This is a great verse to pray for someone that's struggling with anything. But I have found myself, you know, praying it for myself when I'm struggling. (laughs) Like with depression or anxiety or friends I know that are struggling. And so... I love that verse. I couldn't go forward without saying how much I loved it. So, now we come to our section of verses today. And uh, these verses we uh, study this week are the beginning of the end of the letter. So, if that makes any sense. Paul started the letter in chapter 1 with a greeting and encouragement. But then in chapter 118, he broke off into what um, Vadi Bachman, he's like a guy I like to listen to, (laughs) called a treatise, treatise, you know, and after I looked up what that meant, because I was like, yeah, that does seem like it. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, so i looked like, up in the dictionary. What is a treatise? A treatise is um, <laughs> a formal written article or book that deals with facts, evidence, principles, and conclusions on a specific subject. And I feel like that's what Paul did. You know, it really describes well what the, the book of Romans is. Paul wrote, wrote the book of Romans to lay out in full the whole gospel of, of God, of Jesus, um So he starts his letter um, and, then he, and then writes his treatise fully explaining the gospel. And now in chapter 15, verse 14, he ends his treatise and he's back to letter writing, and he begins to finish the letter, right? We see in our verses today that Paul finally shares why he wrote the letter. Um, He didn't share it at the beginning like some people do, like, I wrote this letter to you for blah, 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 blah. He says it at the end, (laughs) so we're going to see that today. And we also see him calling and focus, see him, we also see his calling, what God's called him to, and his focus in ministry. So let's start with verses 14 and 15. It says, and concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to also admonish one another, But I have written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God. So we see here that these believers that Paul is writing to Rome are capable to instruct um, one another on what he just took 15 chapters to explain. Like, he says they're full of goodness, which means uprightness of heart and life. He says they're filled with all knowledge, they understand these things, and he says that they're able to admonish one another, which in our notes this week it defined admonish as instruct, teach, or warn. They're able to instruct one another, um, but, just, but not just in you know, a teaching way. One thing I liked in our packets this week is it said that admonish takes it a step further and it means when someone shows they care and love others, when they're invested in one another. I saw this um, also in the dictionary definition I looked up of admonish. It says to give warnings or advice to urge strongly. This is a picture of how God wants us with each other, right? Invested in loving each other enough that we have a relationship with one another that allows us to actually speak into each other's lives. Like This is how God wants us to be with us when he's talking about us admonishing each other. If we see that one of us is going in a wrong direction... We're invested enough in our relationship that we would speak up and maybe warn or advise them. I think if we look at verse 14, we see how we ought to admonish one another. We can do it full of of goodness, filled with all knowledge of God. That means we're reading the word of God, and that's why we would admonish somebody. (laughs) And we cannot counsel others if we don't have the word overflowing in our own lives, you know. We can with our thoughts and our opinions, but that's not what we should do. (laughs) Like, it should be from the word Um, when we want to counsel somebody or advise them. So if Paul sees that they're full of goodness, with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another, then why would he write this all out for him? Why, Why would he write it all out for the Romans, the treatise, you know, for them? And in some parts, he's really bold. In, like, chapter one, he admonished them in some points. Verse 15 says why. It's to remind them again. This is why he wrote the book. We need reminding even of the simplest of the gospel because we forget, (laughs) like, I know I'll probably never forget that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, right? But we forget the implications of that, like the powerfulness of that. Um, So, like, honestly, when we started Romans, like before we started studying it, I heard we were going to study it, and I was like, like, really, honestly, I was like, no, it's so simple. Like, the Romans Road, we, I've got it all memorized already. Like, the Romans Road, you know, not the whole book, but like, I already know this, this, like, simple theology, okay? I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't think I needed the reminder, I guess, is what I'm saying. But it has been so rich, right? So it was not simple theology in some parts, like, and then um, that we happened to hit most of the application of this book in the last year of COVID, right? When else did we need to hear all that stuff? <laughs> like, we needed to hear it, like, then, right now. Um, I'll, like, never look at Romans twelve eighteen again, you know, the same. If it, uh, if it is possible with you, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men never the same after this year, ladies. (laughs) Romans 13, submit to the governing, I'll never look at that passage again, the same after this year. Or all the verses on how to live with other believers that differ from us on non-essential issues. God knew what he was doing. (laughs) He knew what we needed when he had us read this book, you know, for the last two years. He's so awesome like that. We needed the reminder just like the Roman Christians needed it. So let's read verses 15 and 16. Um, I'll just read it one more time. It says, Because of the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So here Paul shifts and begins talking about his ministry, what specifically God had called him to. His calling was to be an apostle, to reach the Gentiles. Um, and you can find more about how that was his specific calling just to the Gentiles. But I mean, he also ministered to the Jews, but that was his main calling. in, in Galatians 1 and 2, he talks, there's more about that. This calling was because of the grace that was given to him by God. This, is, this was the way Paul saw it, Right? We see a little bit more of this perspective with this idea of grace in 1 Corinthians 15, 8 through 11. It says, And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, this is Paul speaking, for I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But... By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me, whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. So Paul's perspective about who he was as an apostle to the Gentiles was based on God's grace to him. The word grace here means kindness bestowed upon one that does not deserve it. We see Paul mention this grace at the beginning and the end of the letter of Romans. Paul's perspective on his calling and his ministry um, is that it's a result of God's grace in his life. Like anything good <laughs> that came out of his ministry, he sees it all as that was just God's grace. Um, It's no different for us. You know, whatever kind of ministry God calls us to, whatever capacity that we are serving God in, we need his grace, his kindness and his favor on us (laughs) to have the ability to serve him in the ways that he's called us to. And in the ways he has gifted us in serving others, we need his grace. God's grace is the means, I believe, by which we can do ministry. We cannot do it well without depending on him. In verse 16, we see Paul describing his ministry to the Gentiles in imagery that a Jew would understand. Um, And I found this interesting because probably at this point in the letter, when Paul um, talks of himself as being called to the Gentiles, you know, the Jew listeners, (laughs) the Jews, may have been disgruntled, like, what about us? Like, what are we? Um, this imagery in verse 16 may be Paul engaging the Jews in understanding how to view ministry. Not just the ministry, but ministry that, um, not just his ministry, but ministry that we take part in. So like he's using this idea of like sacrifice priestly. He's using all those words to get the Jews' attention so that they can see his purpose with the Gentiles. David Guzik explained, verse 16. he says in verse 16, is filled with language of priesthood. Paul says he serves as a ministering priest of Jesus Christ, presenting the gospel as a priestly service so that Gentile converts would be an acceptable sacrifice to God. So our, our, our service can be an offering to God too. Like that's one way we could look at our service to God because it is sacrificial a lot of times. The results are up to God with our serving. All that's required is his grace and our obedience to serve him. Um, For a long time, I've looked at my life. Um, When I think about ministry, I think my life is ministry. Like, life is ministry. (laughs) You know, there have been times that it's looked more defined. You know, like when I've served in a specific ministry. But other times, God's reminded me that my main ministry is my family. You know, like my kids and my husband. Those are the people I serve. This is my ministry. And sometimes it feels like a sacrificial offering I'm making to God, (laughs) sometimes, you know? Um, Like, for example, (laughs) this week, I've, like, every week before I ever teach, for some reason I can't sleep. And it's not because I don't want to sleep or that I have a hard time sleeping. It's like my kids get up and, like, repeatedly, like, I have one particular child a couple nights ago, like, came to my room repeatedly, like, every hour, (laughs) like, and, like, I can't sleep. I have to go potty. I have to get a drink of water. She has to tell me everything, right? <laughs> like, and, like, and, then she, and then she's like, I had a bad dream. She had like three bad dreams, I guess. I'm like, okay, here's what you're going to do, okay? <laughs> you're going to go back to bed, and when you have a bad dream, again, you're going to roll over. You're not getting out of bed. You're going to roll over <laughs> and go back to sleep. <laughs> like, don't get out of bed. I'm heartless. I, by that point, I was like, I don't care no more. <laughs> like, and so... I, I think it was that point where I hit REM sleep, you know, the kind that you love, like, really deep. And I'm like, bam, she opens the door. <laughs> at one thirty, and it's like, rats, there's a rat in my room, I'm like, (laughs) like screamed it, like the whole house heard, right? Um, Okay, so we don't have rats, we've never had rats, we'll never have rats, right? We live on a top story, like, I don't know if rats can climb, but we don't have rats, okay? (laughs) Like... (laughs) I, like, went to her room. She told me the next morning, she's like, Mom, you look like a zombie. (laughs) And I had to go to her room because, like, if I just leave her, and I know she's not going to go back to sleep after that if she thinks she's seen a rat, (laughs) I had to go in and make sure she was still in bed because if I don't, if I just roll over and go back to sleep, then things will be gotten into the next day. Let's just say that. (laughs) Like, things will be bad. (laughs) And so... Anyway, like, those kinds of nights, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> That's when my service to Jesus feels like an offering, you know? <laughs> like, it's, like, sacrificial. <laughs> the results are up to God with our serving, you know? <laughs> oh. Anyway, all that is required of, you know, us is his grace. like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he, he gives us what we need whenever he calls us to, you know. Sometimes serving others in the way that God leaves us leads us is sacrificial, you know? I mean, it takes time maybe or energy or love that we don't feel like we have to give. You know that God can give us. That's why we need his grace and his holy spirit. He meets us where we need it. And then the end of our and in the end our time and our energy is like a sweet smelling aroma to God, you know pleasing to him like an offering. So let's move to verses 17 through 19. Um, It says, Therefore in Christ Jesus I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God, for I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as, (laughs) Illicrum, I have fully preached the gospel of God or of Christ. So the word boasting in verse 17 can also mean act an act of glorying. It's this idea that if there's anything successful in Paul's ministry, it's a result of what Jesus has done through him. He acknowledges that God is doing the work and that God that um and then he gives glory to God because of it. Um, in verses 18 and 19, we see an explanation of how Paul preaches the gospel. It says in verse 18, he shares that the only things that, is, that he is willing to boast about is what Jesus has accomplished through him. And in essence, this is like his testimony. Along with his testimony, there are his words and his deeds, there are signs and wonders in the power of the Spirit. So if we're going to boast in anything, it can be in all that God does through us either by how he may use our words or what we do. When I think about sharing the gospel with my words, I sometimes get stuck before I even get started, you know. I just get afraid that I'm not going to say the right words. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to explain it in the right way, especially when I'm talking to an unbeliever. Um, I was thinking about this, and I, I read John Corson's commentary, and he addressed this, and I want to share it because I'm probably not the only one that gets stumbled with words, like when you're talking to someone about Jesus. He says, When Paul is saying by word, we can think of when we share the gospel using God's word. You may not understand all the implications doctrinally. You may have trouble defending the scriptures intellectually. But like C.H. Spurgeon said when asked how to defend the Bible, he said, You defend the Bible as you would a roaring lion. You just open the cage and let it out. (laughs) the word is alive and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword just start sharing the scriptures and watch and see what the lion of the tribe of Judah does with the word he has given you you know and I honestly like I before I got saved people had I had people tell and share the gospel with me you know as a teenager um, several times and all I ever I when I look back on that all I really remember is the The Bible being read like the verses that stuck out to me that I couldn't I had to deal with you know and so it's it's true you know um, we can let the the word (laughs) do its work and know that the Holy Spirit will use it in power. Um, uh, In this verse we see that it's not just our words he can use but our deeds. Chuck Smith said, our lives are a greater witness than our words. A greater witness than your words are your works wrought through the Holy Spirit in love. And isn't it the way people will know we belong to Christ is by our love, right? That's the way that they'll know. He can use our testimony, our words, and our deeds. And verse 19 says, God can also work powerfully through signs and wonders. So do we always see signs and wonders? You know, can the Holy Spirit be working through us and we never heal a person or perform a miracle? Um, are signs and miracles the only proof that God is using us in our ministries, you know? I believe God can do signs and wonders through us like miracles of healing or impossible things. I believe he does those things. He can do those things. He still does those things. <laughs> like, and when those things happen, it's such a powerful testimony of the power of God, you know, and he he can use those things. But I don't always think they have to be there, you know. They don't always have to be there. I was thinking about even John the Baptist when his whole ministry, you know, never performing a miracle that we know of, you know. Yet God used him and people repented and got saved, you know. Um, The point in it all is that ultimately anything that gets accomplished in our service of God to God, whether it's people getting saved, or our work in serving or discipling others, it's always a result of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. Um, we need this reminder, I feel like, because just to ward off pride, you know, because <laughs> when we feel used by God, sometimes we, it's easy to just be like, I, look what I just did, <laughs> look what I just did, but it's not our work, right? It's not, it's the Holy Spirit using us, and um, so it's a good mindset that we can take from Paul, like, view it the way he does. Anything accomplished by us is the work of God's power, um, so let's take a little, a little look at this last chunk of verses left for the week. It's verses 20 and 21. It says, and thus I aspired to preach the gospel not where Christ was already named so that I would not build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. So we see here, Paul aspired or strived earnestly to preach the gospel. Um, this is his calling. Um, as it is all of our calling to share Jesus with those God puts around us in the world, right? But Paul's specific calling was, like, a step further. It was to start churches specifically where Jesus had not been preached. And nowadays, this is what we would call, like, pioneer missions, right? Going where Jesus has never been named, you know? (laughs) And and I was thinking about this, like, it's crazy that after 2,000 years, right, since Paul... There are still people groups still on earth that have never heard about Jesus. Like, I just think that's great. 2,000 years and there's still people that have never heard. Um, even though Christianity is the largest religion in the world. Like, I looked it up. I was like, that can, I was reading this thing and I was like, I can be right. <laughs> so I like looked it up. Yeah, it's the largest religion in the world. And despite that, there's still like 1.6 billion people that are unevangelized. In the world. Most people live, um, most live in the part of the world that's called like the 1040 window, I'm sure you guys have probably heard about it, um, which is like the northern part, northwest of Africa, over two parts of Asia. Much of this area does not allow western missionaries to come, you know, um, yet God, I, I, when I was reading, I was so excited that like God is using local ministries around there to still get the message, you know, to some, but there's still a bunch of people that have never heard Jesus, people groups. Um, and if you're interested in more of that, you could look up Joshua Project that has a lot of information, but, um, but I felt like, you know, even in our own backyard, this is the case, you know, um, Maybe everyone in the city of Portland has heard the name of Jesus or whether it's through cussing or whatever you know like from growing up or whatever but there is only 2% of Portland is churched. 2% in Portland is churched, right? So this place that we live and find ourselves is dark, right? It's this is a place where Jesus is not named a lot among people, or maybe they're just not receiving it, but it's dark, <laughs> we live in a dark city. I recently went to Florida for a memorial for a family member, and um, it was like so wonderful because it was warm. <laughs> but every time I met a new person, which was everybody, pretty much I knew nobody, then, <laughs> I met two people before we went, but all this family on my, on my husband's side that we had never met. Every time I, t- you know, I'm like, hi, meet them. They're like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Portland. They're like, oh, Portland. <laughs> it's like, you know, and mostly it was like Christians, like, oh, it's really dark there spiritually, <laughs> you know, um or oh the riots! How are you doing with that? Like, one lady was like, "How can I be praying for Portland?" I mean, it was cool. I was like, "Yes, you should pray for Portland. <laughs> yes, you should." But I, every time I had a conversation like that, I, I would walk away and I felt more strongly a love for my city. Like. I love Portland, you know, yes, it's wacky, and it's weird, (laughs) and it's totally filled with darkness, you know, but God calls us here for a purpose, you know, who else will be the light to shine in the darkness but us, right? We are, and it's so, so discouraging, you know, and frustrating when things frustrating happen here, you know, when things don't go our way, or it's just, there are a lot of things that can be discouraging about living here, (laughs) you know, but still, 2% or less, like, Ladies, wow, like, I don't know, that just really impacted me. You know, clearly people need to hear about Jesus. And I think, just like we were talking about last week, you know, they can do that by seeing our love, you know. They can do that by seeing our unity with each other. Um, So going back to our text, there is a principle we see Paul living by here, which is his heart to not build on another man's foundation. His heart was not to start a church down the road from another church started by another pastor, but to go where there was actually a need. And I really respect this mentality. You know why have church, you know twenty churches that are all Christ-following and biblically sound? You know in one area, like why? You know there are certain towns I've driven through, and I was I I'm like blown away by how many churches are in this tiny little town. I'm like, do they really need this many churches? And I get that that. God uses certain flavors of churches and to meet different people. And I totally, I love that. You know, that's great. But, you know, I think there ought to be a need before a ministry is started, I feel like. It's important to be led by the Lord, letting God lead the work that needs to be done. And I think he does, you know, when people pray. He leads. Um, One of my good friends in Washington is a part of a church that's, that was, um, her church was renting a space of another church in their little town, and um, over time, the two churches realized they they had the same heartbeat for the city, you know, like for the town. And they were all the same body. And so they were like, let's join together. Like, let's be one church, which is rare, you know, and I would imagine hard. <laughs> but um, they did it. And so we went and visited them right after it happened. And it was like a beautiful kind of messy. Like, the one church was a little more charismatic than the other, but they they didn't care. They were just like... They just had grace with each other. It was so cool. And like this joy they had about being together because that's, I think there's joy that comes with that kind of unity, you know. It forced people out of their comfort zones. And I can only imagine what the community thought and what kind of message that sent to the community about unity, you know. Um, God may not lead us to be like a pioneer missionary like Paul, but he does call us to use our gifts, And sometimes it doesn't always look simple when it comes to what it looks like, you know, um, whenever we use our gifts, you know. But we can aspire, like Paul did, (laughs) to make it our aim prayerfully to be available to be used by God. Whether it looks like organized ministry that we're in or just relational one-on-one with believers or non-believers. All God desires is for us to be yielded and sensitive to his leading So um, I encourage you, if you didn't already do it this week, like day four of our packets had good verses about spiritual gifts. And like if you haven't sorted that out on your own yet, that's a great place to start. (laughs) And going back to Romans 12 and pray over that list too. Um, We never will be finished doing God's work till he like takes us home. So um, I never want to look back on my life and regret not living each day yielded to his leading, you know, and doing whatever work he calls me to do, whether, you know, when my kids are grown or whatever. (laughs) So I just encourage you all, let's serve sacrificially, you know, let's love, like, each other deeply because this is what God calls us to do by his grace. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, um, for your word. I just pray. That you would open our eyes this week, Lord, to see ways that you want to use us, God, more and, and ways that we're already serving, God. And I pray that we would do it with a, a heart like an offering to you, God. I just thank you for um, the ways that you use your word, Lord, to speak to us. And I pray you continue just to speak through and to each other um, while we do our small groups, God. And I just lift this time up to you in your name. Amen.